0: Good evening. The U.S. sends troops to Eastern Europe, but some in the GOP say the real threat is China. We speak to a leading progressive and we go on to talk about a change in COVID. Maybe the pandemic might be coming to, if not an end, at least a diminution, while the Red Cross screams out for more blood and Washington's football team decides and comes out with its new name, while New York mourns a second officer killed in the line of duty. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Drianzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. President Joe Biden is ordering 2,000 U.S.-based troops to Poland and Germany and shifting 1,000 more from Germany to Romania on NATO's eastern flank. Russia fired back with a sharply worded objection, calling the deployments unfounded and destructive. During a press conference following talks with Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban yesterday, Russian President Vladimir Putin said the North Atlantic Alliance, which promised Moscow not to expand, expand eastwards in the past, has failed to fulfill this promise and cheated Russia.
1: Как известно, нам были даны обещания не продвигать инфраструктуру блока НАТО на восток.
2: In
0: Washington White House, Press Secretary Jen Psaki used strong language to fire back at Putin, claiming the Russian president was the fox in Ukraine's henhouse.
3: When the fox is screaming from the top of the henhouse that he's scared of the chickens, which is essentially what they're doing, that fear isn't reported as a statement of fact. And as you watch President Putin screaming about the fear of Ukraine and the Ukrainians, that should not be reported as a statement of fact. We know who the Fox is in this case. We have seen the buildup of troops at the border. We have seen them move troops to Belarus on another border. And our role in the United States is to work with other countries around the world to keep that door to diplomacy open, because certainly all of our preference is to uh, de escalate uh, and to uh, prevent an invasion from happening. But that is up to President Putin to make that decision. The door to diplomacy remains open. We don't know what decision President Putin will make.
0: Jen Psaki today. Meanwhile, at the Pentagon, Press Secretary John Kirby laid out new U.S. forces being sent to Romania, a country on the border with Ukraine, he says intended to temporarily bolster U.S. and allied defensive positions.
1: Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad. As part of this commitment and to be prepared for a range of contingencies, the United States will soon move additional forces to Romania, Poland and Germany. I want to be very clear about something. These are not permanent moves. They are moves designed to respond to the current security environment. Moreover, these forces are not going to fight in Ukraine. They're going to ensure the robust defense of our NATO allies. First. 1,000 soldiers that are currently based in Germany will reposition to Romania in the coming days. This is a a striker squadron, a mounted cavalry unit that's designed to deploy in short order and to move quickly once in place. This move is coming at the express invitation of the Romanian government. Second, we are moving an additional force of about approximately 2,000 troops from the United States to Europe in the next few days. The 82nd Airborne Division is deploying components of an infantry, brigade, combat team, and key enablers to Poland. And the 18th Airborne Corps is moving a joint task force-capable headquarters to Germany. Both of them, as you know, are based in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. This force is trained and equipped for a variety of missions to deter aggression and to reassure and to defend our allies. Again, these are not permanent moves. Third, all of these forces are separate and in addition to the 8,500 personnel in the United States on heightened alert posture that I announced last week. Those 8,500 are not currently being deployed, but remain ready to move if called for the NATO response force or as needed for other contingencies as directed by the secretary or by President Biden.
0: John Kirby of the Pentagon, Article 5 of the NATO Charter provides for collective defense for each member of the alliance by every other member. It's a remnant of the Cold War confrontation between the West and the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union ceased to exist in the early 1990s. In related news, 100 United States organizations released a joint statement yesterday urging President Biden to end what they call the U.S. role in escalating the extremely dangerous tensions with Russia over Ukraine. In a statement, the group say, for the United States and Russia, the only sane course of action now is a commitment to genuine diplomacy with serious negotiations, not military escalation. One of the signatories is the publisher and editor of The Nation, Katrina Vanden Heuvel. In several pieces published in the Washington Post, in recent weeks, she says the American people have nothing to gain from a war with Russia. Vanden Heuvel spoke with WB AI today she says war is unimaginable
4: moment that's as dangerous as the cuban missile crisis we as close to actual war though less so in the last week these are times that need to be thought of on their own terms but have historical precedent the landscape has been filled with the most bellicose language towards Russia in these last years. And I'm surprised because we all thought China was going to become the prism of a new Cold War, and it's probably next, but (laughs) it's not hopeful. But I do think the war can be averted. But there have to be continual talks because looming over it again is a nuclear framework, which is very frightening. And by the way, the nuclear arms control agreements have been unraveled. What's the way out of this? Moratorium. There's this Minsk agreement, keeping Ukraine's borders safe and whole, but autonomy for the eastern region, protection for language. And then there's the possibility of neutrality for Ukraine with a moratorium of 10 or 20 years on Ukrainian membership of NATO. Ukraine couldn't join NATO now with its conflicts, territorial and other. You know, the other piece is this autonomy, which would be brokered by Germany, France, Ukraine. And Russia and there's more energy in that they met in Paris for eight hours last week and they're meeting again the group in uh, Berlin in early February
0: you said this is the most serious thing since uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis what do we do in this country if we're faced with a circumstance where and now we've seen the possibility of it where the United States where the progressives do if the US gets into a not just a small war where you can have your protests in Washington against an intervention here or there but now Your patriotism is under question. The U.S. is in a big war. A lot of people are dying. What do we do in that situation?
4: This is a moment in this era of pandemics to rethink security. And also for people, they're tired of endless war. It's not that they're isolationist. Protests, as much as one can do, but it is the consequence of decades of disconnect between people and this establishment are coming home to roost. But Biden officials... Seem not to grasp the irony of defending a U.S. sphere of influence, Cuba, and all of this while def- condemning Russia's claims to it to its own. If President Biden was serious about this rules-based international order, which they talk about so often, in which small states can decide their own future free of great power coercion, Biden should start in his own backyard: the policy of regime change toward Cuba which is based on economic sanctions, a policy inherited from Trump and continues unchanged, and it's failed. If you really want to figure out a resolution, I do think this combination of the Minsk agreement, maybe badly named, and this compromise of a treaty of neutrality or a moratorium or both on 10, 20 years on Ukrainian membership of NATO – is a way forward use the word we a few times the we, we. <laughs> well, yeah well, i think that's fair when i say we i think of it myself as a citizen someone who cares about peace and who cares about restraint no one won the cold war to wage a nuclear war no one can win folly the idea of america as the indispensable nation triumphalist as we've been, has played a role in worsening US Russian relations because we believed Russia was on its knees. So we lived in a unipolar world. Iraq, of course, was height of the debacle of unipolarity. Restraint is critical and an understanding that America is not in decline, but it has a lot to do to get its own house in order. I mean look at the pandemics, the staggering inequality, the racial injustices there's a need to rethink security in a less militarized way that is vital emerging from this crisis. But the first order of business is to defuse the crisis, avoid, avert war, military conflict, and avert what is possible, which is a stumble, you know, the kind of accidental trigger wire that could occur
0: anything like that
4: at this moment gorbachev is 90 and not well but he looks out at a country which he tried to bring democracy to and he really thought of in the end of the soviet union the warsaw pact also ended and his vision for a common european home would have been a very important counter alternative to what has become our way which is nato NATO is not a coffee clutch. NATO is a military alliance, and I think we could do a lot better. It's a tragedy that it has now brought us to this bearing.
0: Katrina Vanden Heuvel is publisher and editor of The Nation. In The Washington Post, she writes, the Russians would win any conventional clash, but at a horrendous cost. The Ukrainians would suffer massive casualties and economic ruin, and so would the French and especially the Germans, as Russia provides much of their energy supply. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin had another telephone exchange with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. But readouts from both governments showed no progress, with Putin saying the West was giving no ground on Russia's security concerns and Johnson expressing deep concern about Russia's, quote, hostile activity on the Ukrainian border. Johnson reported on his communications with Putin to Parliament today.
5: The mission was to as I hope everybody will support was to stand shoulder to shoulder with uh, with Ukraine uh, for the house of uh, for our country to show that we stand uh, with the people of Ukraine and we stand for the sovereign and territorial integrity of Ukraine at a, at a very difficult time because there are on the borders of Ukraine as everybody knows about 125,000 uh, Russian uh, troops massing uh, the situation is is very perilous. And the job of the UK is to lead the West in bringing together uh, the most important countries in uh, creating a package of economic sanctions that will deter President Putin from what I believe would be a disastrous miscalculation and also to strengthen our support uh, for the Ukraine and for the Ukrainian people and indeed uh, the Ukrainian army and uh, we're doing that we're supplying lethal but defensive uh, weaponry as well as training uh, to the Ukrainians so that is that is greatly appreciated but i must say that the situation uh, remains risky mr speaker and it is vital that diplomacy finds a way forward the
0: kremlin responded by belittling the british prime minister describing him as utterly confused and calling british diplomacy a waste of time
2: was and in washington
0: di- in washington division between the gop and democrats over biden's policy towards ukraine are threatening to derail bipartisan agreement on confronting russia republican senator josh hawley called on biden to drop support for including ukraine in nato
6: the mistake to send more american troops to europe at this time but listen i mean it's just another foreign policy crisis that this administration's blundered into and i'm sure it will not be the last
0: Hawley says any binding commitment to defend ukraine would ultimately undermine efforts to counter china white house press secretary jen saki struck back at Hawley, calling his opposition to ukraine's inclusion in nato un-american
3: Well, if you are just digesting Russian misinformation and parroting Russian talking points, uh, you are not aligned uh, with uh, longstanding bipartisan American values, which is to stand up for the sovereignty of countries like Ukraine, but others, uh, their right to choose their own alliances and also to stand against very clearly the efforts uh, or attempts or potential attempts by any country to invade and take territory of another country.
0: And that's Jen Saki. According to a report in Axios, Hawley's position is gaining support among Republican lawmakers, but many Republican senators are still on board with the inclusion of Ukraine in NATO. You're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. And the waning surge of the Omicron variant of the COVID virus has Americans hoping for a change, and health officials seem to be testing the waters for a return to normalcy. Asked at a briefing today of the White House pandemic response team if Americans could expect life to return to pre pandemic life, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Rochelle Walensky offered a somewhat cryptic but revealing response. We know people are anxious, Wolensky said. She listed the latest COVID statistics then, showing a marked decline in cases and hospitalizations, even as deaths inch higher.
6: The current seven-day daily average of cases is about 446,400 cases per day, a decrease of about 36 percent over the previous week. The seven-day average of hospital admissions is about 17,100 per day, also a decrease of about 14% over the previous week. And the seven-day average daily deaths are about 2,300 per day, which is an increase of about 4% over the prior week. While we continue to see large decreases in average daily case counts across the country, hospitalizations remain high stretching our healthcare capacity and workforce to its limits in some areas of the country. And daily deaths also remain quite high. And with the mixed news above, similar to other waves during the pandemic, our data continue to reinforce the critical importance of vaccination. Last week, I shared data from our surveillance studies demonstrating the effectiveness of vaccination, including boosters, on decreasing cases, emergency department visits, and hospitalizations. Additional new data continue to support these findings.
0: And that is a report today uh, from the head of the CDC. The pandemic has frustrated previous attempts at reopening with new variants that have pushed a true reopening further into the future. Last spring, the CDC prematurely lifted indoor masking guidance for vaccinated people. Then in early July, President Biden all but declared independence from the virus, symbolically delivered on Independence Day during a party celebrating first respondents. That, too, was a rash move. But the late summer saw a surge of new cases fueled by the Delta variant. Just as it subsided, Omicron came along. And a week ago, the scrumptiously fattening product of the Krispy Kreme company – led that company to say it would provide a dozen free glazed donuts to anyone who could prove they donated blood through the end of January. The promotion follows an announcement from the Red Cross earlier this month that it's facing the worst blood shortage in more than a decade. The Red Cross provides nearly 40 percent of the nation's blood supply, but donations are down 10 percent since March 2020. Today, the Red Cross made a new appeal for blood donors.
6: The Red Cross is facing a national blood shortage, which means we have, in some instances, less than a day's supply of blood on hand. And this is a critical situation because it is forcing doctors to make a very difficult decision about who receives a blood transfusion and who must wait until there are additional products available.
0: You can find a place to help by donating blood. It's painless by going to redcross.org. And Washington has some new commanders in town. The NFL team announced its new name today, 18 months after. Fresh pressure from sponsors helped persuade the once-storied franchise to drop its old moniker following decades of criticism that it was offensive to Native Americans. The organization committed to avoiding Native American imagery and its rebrand after being called the Washington football team the past two seasons. Washington is the latest American major professional team to abandon its name linked to Native Americans, and it was considered one of the most egregious. Players and owners met today to announce a new name and show off the team's new jerseys.
2: Today is a big day for our team, our fans, a day in which we embark on a new chapter as the Washington
5: Commanders.
2: And what this effort
5: really is at its core is
2: not about landing on a
3: name that
5: was going to be unanimously loved by everybody, but to start a
3: process
0: by which we can continue to preserve what has been best about the burgundy and gold.
3: It is, those have been colors and a name and a franchise under which people who have trouble talking to each other on other topics can come together and hug and high-five
0: and be one while cheering this team on. And we believe that the Washington commanders will allow us to continue to preserve that unity and build those bonds at a time
5: when I would argue we need it more than ever as a nation.
0: Susan Shone Harjo, who is Cheyenne and Muskogee, called the change an amazing and a giant step in the maturation of America. The 76-year-old Harjo has been advocating for sports teams to drop Native imagery and mascots since the 1960s. She said, that's sort of our place in the world, Native people's place in the world, to help the rest of the country come to grips with its past and to understand how to move on, and I hope – How to do it with grace. While Major League Baseball's Cleveland Guardians have changed their name, the NFL's Kansas City Chiefs, NHL's Chicago Blackhawks, and baseball's Atlanta Braves have said they are not planning to make a change. And closer to home, the funeral for slain NYPD officer Wilbert Morrow was held at St. Patrick's Cathedral today with thousands of officers gathered outside and inside to pay their respects. It was the second time in five days that the city gathered to say his final farewell at the cathedral for a member of the NYPD. Mayor Eric Adams was there and had this to say.
5: This morning, we gathered to mourn the life of Wilbert Mora, our brother officer and brother citizen. We reflect on his bravery, we remember his sacrifice. Today we say goodbye to Wilbert, but we also thank him. The city thanks you. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. And every day that I walk the streets of New York, the people of this city reminds me, support our police, and let them know we appreciate them.
3: We had so many plans together. We were supposed to travel and go camping, and go on road trips. I wanted to experience the adventure with you because your love for life was infectious. I just want you to know that I was always proud of you. You chose a life of service to your community and to our adopted country. Your fellow officers were not only coworkers; they were friends and family, and now they're my family. I love you, baby bro, and I will always miss you.
0: Mora, 27, and his partner Jason Rivera, 22, were called to a domestic dispute in Harlem on January 21st. Mora was critically wounded in the incident and succumbed to his injuries last week. Rivera died the night of the shooting. That's according to the NYPD In related news, a tweet making the rounds claiming the turnout of thousands of police uh, appeared to be fascist or like fascism has been attracting controversy. A local assemblywoman liked a tweet that contained the comment and it was further retweeted by actress Susan Sarandon. And the activist group Rise and Resist protested outside the federal courthouse in Manhattan today, demanding that Trump and other associates of the former president, who they call coup plotters, be indicted under conspiracy laws. Trump! A member of the activist group ACT UP participating in today's rally is longtime NYC activist Dana Beal. He says if someone can get years in prison for marijuana possession, why not indict Trump and his cronies for participating in sedition?
2: We had a little demonstration down at uh, the federal courthouse uh, calling for the indictment of the higher ups in the January 6th affair and the whole um, conspiracy to defraud America of their actual election, which is the overarching conspiracy that connects people like Donald Trump and the Oath Keepers and people like that. They're all sub-conspiracies or part of a big conspiracy because, see, the way federal conspiracy law works, if you're in a conspiracy and somebody else in a conspiracy commits murder, you're guilty of that murder. Everybody in the conspiracy is guilty of everything that everybody else did. And unfortunately, this uh, sedition is a 20-year sentence. The people that you're, who you think are the higher-ups, do you have names? Flynn, Roger Stone, Rudolph Giuliani, a bunch of people in Congress. I would argue that, like, uh, Ted Cruz should be at the top of the list. Where- and he's independently running for president. There's an amendment that you can't engage against insurrection against the United States and run for office in this country where was this protest held this was uh, right in front of the federal courthouse it was mostly a rise and resist which is an offshoot of act up i'm in act up i really care about this issue about like bringing the trumpsters to justice plotting to install nazi dictatorship in america is all right and having a load of you know uh weed you you get three years for that let me
0: ask one question the distance that's Grown between the ruling class, the top people, as you call them, in America, and the public is so great that there's no room for protests anymore. They don't care, and they never will.
2: Maybe, but it has an effect on elections. I'm trying to like figure out how to get AOC or somebody prominent to issue a public call to the Department of Homeland Security to anticipate the certain riots are going to now break out when Trump is busted by the state of Georgia. I mean, the woman in Georgia, like she asked for federal protection, they're doing something, Paul. Trump has called on his people to burn the country down. If the Trumpers get out in the middle of a derecho and set everything on fire, it will burn the country down. I hope they're ready for this a little bit more than they were on Uh, January 6th, when they were caught with their pants down. We want them to be ready. What is the Department of Justice doing? What is the Department of Defense doing? There's going to be a violent insurrection when Trump is indicted. Longtime New
0: York City activist Dana Beal.
2: Rise and Resist asked supporters
0: to call the Justice Department at 202-514-2000 and press 4 to leave a message to indict Trump and his cronies. And today is Groundhog Day. Six more weeks of winter is on the way. That's according to Puxatawney Phil, who made the prediction around 730 this morning at Gobbler's Knob.
5: Held high to see his
2: faithful followers had returned with glee placing Phil on top of the stump, with my shadow I have cast, than a long, lustrous six more weeks of
6: winter! Yeah.
0: The event took place virtually last year because of the coronavirus pandemic depriving the community, which is about 65 miles northeast of Pittsburgh, of a boost from tourists. According to records dating back to 1887, Phil has predicted winter more than 100 times. Ten years were lost because no records were kept. And finally, winter storm watches and warnings currently stretch around 2,000 miles from San Angelo, Texas to Caribou, Maine. But a different type of warning is starting to be issued. Ice storm warnings are in effect from eastern Arkansas through central Kentucky, where significant icing is expected this includes memphis tennessee and lexington kentucky but the area could expand in the next 24 hours extensive tree damage and widespread power outages are likely in this zone where over half an inch of ice glazes the surface and that's some of the news for wednesday february 2nd 2022 the news is produced by linda perry our engineer is reggie johnson from new york city i'm paul durienzo I saw my shadow today. Thanks for listening.